1: Deserts bear man I breathe
0: the mountain air, man I Travel I've had my share, man I've been everywhere Get on the phone now and call 800 387 8025 That's 1-800-387-8025 Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa
2: Welcome to America's most widely syndicated radio travel show I'm Rudy Maxa, your genial radio show host And today we're just a little more downbeat than usual in light of the loss of lives surrounding the downing of that Malaysia airline passenger jet over eastern Ukraine this week. I was interested in some of the thoughts of Patrick Smith. He's a pilot for a major American carrier. He's curator of the website AskThePilot.com. He's a frequent guest on the show, but he couldn't be with us today because he's flying overseas. But in a blog posting just before he departed on Friday, he noted that it's fairly common for civilian jetliners to overfly areas of conflict. He wrote, and I quote, dozens of airline flights pass every day over Baghdad, for example. Many of them land there. And he continued... I've personally potted flights over eastern Ukraine, close to where the Malaysia 777 met its fate on Thursday. There are protocols, as you'd think. Flights are sometimes restricted to particular routes or specific altitudes in airspace sectors. Large chunks of airspace are often totally off limits over certain countries. Afghanistan, for instance. Commercial overflights may be prohibited outright. But he said thousands of flights deal with these things every day. Crews don't simply wander unknowingly into dangerous airspace. And on the ground, air traffic controllers are fully aware of who will be passing over and when. In any case, the air, this airspace was open, Patrick noted, and was being used routinely by European and Asian airlines. And he ended his post with this, something I agree with wholeheartedly. Quote, what a double dose of agonizing luck, meanwhile, for Malaysia Airlines. One of the world's most highly regarded carriers has lost two Boeing 777s in less than a year's span, with neither accident likely being its fault. Un- Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about a new piece of technology so radical it may well change your world dramatically. It'll surely change the world of your children and their children. It's virtual reality. Reality. It's a a hard phrase to say fast. It's virtual reality. Something inventors have been questing for for years. Now, a 21-year-old inventor seems to have figured out how to perfect virtual reality with the creation of a headset called Oculus Rift. How How serious is it? Well, serious enough that Facebook bought the company for more than $2 billion a few months ago. What has it got to do with travel? Well, imagine you could put on a headset and virtually walk along the canals of Venice or hike through the Grand Canyon or climb Mount Everest. And I'm not talking about a movie in front of your eyes. I'm talking about your ability to see things in 3D, 360 degrees around you, with no frame that suggests you're not really in the place you're viewing. I'll be joined by Wired Magazine editor Peter Rubin, who did the June cover story on Oculus Rift. That's the device that he says is about to change everything. Then Mary Beth Bond, a.k.a. the Gutsy Traveler, stops by to describe getting eye-to-eye with penguins, whales, and seals in Antarctica by kayak. And if you think it's too late this summer to do a trip to Yellowstone country, well, I've got a guest who will dispel that notion and give you an idea of how to construct a great trip. The downing of that Malaysia airliner this week brought to mind an interview we did this past spring with Rich Smith, Richard Smith from The Motley Fool. He wrote a story, About commercial airlines considering the addition of anti missile devices to their planes. Keep in mind, this was just last spring. Well, I asked Rich to come back today for a few minutes. Now, Rich, as I recall, you told us during your last visit to the show that the Israeli airline, which is called El Al, had already installed this technology on at least one of its commercial planes. Is that right? That's right, Rudy. And, and, we don't know if it's if they've covered their entire fleet. Do we happen to know if any other airlines are... I, you, I think you mentioned that they were seriously considering them, but we don't know if anybody's installed that yet, do we? That's
1: right. They're under consideration in many places. In Israel, the plan is to roll them out to every commercial airline operating in Israel.
2: I wonder if after this incident in there aren't more airlines seriously, considering it even more seriously. Now, is this defensive system... Would it have been capable of of intercepting uh, 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 a, a missile like this uh, 33,000 feet above the ground?
1: Well, the investigation's ongoing. It's hard to know for certain what missile was fired or if there was a missile for certain. What I've heard is that it was most likely an SA-11 GADFLY, uh, which is a radar-tracking missile. Um... And if that is indeed what was used, then most likely these systems would not have protected the plane. Uh, these systems really? are designed to, they're designed to confuse heat-seeking missiles. Uh, that's a more widespread problem simply because well, the, the missiles are more widely distributed. Uh, people can get them easier, they're cheaper, they're easier to operate, they're fired just from a single person's shoulder.
2: Uh, these, are the, these are the, these are the kinds of weapons that someone would use to try to shoot down a plane taking off or landing at an, an airport, somewhere closer, much, much closer to the ground than this flight was. Is that correct?
1: Precisely. Like the incident in Kenya a few years back.
2: Right. So LL, of course, is worried about you know, folks being out somewhere outside the perimeter of an airport and having a shoulder-launched missile, which, as you say, uh, the 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 Middle East and is just the Middle East is just rife with. You can buy them in black markets. But why wouldn't? Exactly. Uh, what's the difference between one of those shoulder-launched missiles and one of these longer-range ones that would have been required to bring this plane down?
1: Okay. Uh, well, a shoulder-launched missile is just that. It's something that's sitting on your shoulder, right? And it doesn't have a radar system to guide it. Um, radar oh. systems are big. Uh, so what? One of these shoulder-launched missiles does. It tracks in on the heat signature of the plane's engine. I see. So the these particular systems that are being designed to defeat this, uh, the Sea Music by Albert Systems in Israel and the Guardian System by Northrop Grumman here in the U.S., they, well, first they detect that a missile is being launched, and then they fire a laser from on board the plane to confuse the, you know, the, the heat-seeking nose gun. Now, that's and, as opposed to something which, you know, this SA-11 is a huge beast. It's you've got to move it on a truck or an armored vehicle, and it has a separate vehicle which is carrying the radar. Uh, it's, it's a much bigger thing, and it doesn't depend on heat signatures to find its target.
2: I see. So, so finding a plane that high, or having missile find that plane, the, the, it requires radar, because the heat is way too high—33,000 feet up in the air. Interesting. Perfectly. Interesting. Well, this is very depressing, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, Bob. The good news is that uh, the shoulder-fired missiles are the more pressing threat. I and mean, this is the right. one that's getting the headlines because it's tragic and it's recent.
2: But and I would uh, think there, the uh, there must are... be, excuse me for interrupting, Richard, but I think there must be some kind of technology that would prevent a radar-guided missile. I'm sure Air Force One has some kind of scrambling or something that, that keeps it safe in the skies. Is that a fair guess from an amateur here?
1: That is a fair guess, and it, uh, it's going to cost
2: about as much as you would expect it would. Yeah, right, exactly. It would be, be so cost-prohibitive to put on every plane. Well, Rich, I trust you'll, you'll let me discover and have you back on. Will you do that? Uh, certainly. Thanks so much. Rich Smith is you, with The Motley Fool, which, uh, in case you're not familiar with that, it's uh, an investment guide and financial services company that's dedicated to uh, making the individual investors smarter, maybe even richer. You'll find it at the Fool. And Rich Smith covers, among other things, tech and defense companies. Uh, One other quick news item. Southwest began to replace its brown leather seats with slimmer seats in order to fit more people on its plane at Hicking. They made soccer balls out of it. We'll be right back in just a moment.
0: 3 Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back
2: after these messages. Everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding. Instant relaxation, instant tan lines, instant margarita buzz. With the Orbitz Rewards program, the payoff comes just as quickly. Earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly on flights, hotels, and vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join Orbitz Rewards today at orbitz.com/rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's orbitz.com/rewards, or look under Sponsors at rudymaxa.com.
3: If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor Four.
2: I was in a sawmill
0: accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for sixty years. I heard about Relief Factor Four and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled.
3: For more information or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com.
4: If you like painting and saving, ask Sherwin-Williams and save 40% on paints and stains during our four-day Super Sale, July 18th through the 21st. With 40% off our paints and stains and 30% off painting supplies, you can give your whole home a color makeover. But hurry. These savings are so super, they won't be around for long. Find your nearest store at sherwinwilliams.com slash sale. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.
5: Honey, you know that flight we were supposed to fly out on tomorrow? It's been canceled because of the weather. This
6: was supposed to be our dream vacation. How did we end up here in the emergency room? Where's my
5: luggage? The
7: carousel is empty. Got a travel insurance plan? If you do, you can be covered for trip cancellation due to a covered reason. Medical expenses, lost luggage, and more. Cover yourself today. Call your travel agent or visit TravelGuard.com.
8: Coverage provided by TravelGuard Group, Inc., a licensed insurance producer. Coverage will be limited by the terms and conditions of the policy and may not be available in all states. Insurance underwritten by National Union Fire Insurance Company of Pittsburgh, PA.
0: telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa.
2: Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World. This segment is brought to you by the folks at Orbit, who know that everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding, instant relaxation, instant tan lines, and instant margarita buzz. With the Orbitz Rewards program, the payoff comes just as quickly. You'll earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly when you buy flights, hotels, and vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join Orbitz Rewards today at Orbitz.com slash rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's Orbitz.com slash rewards or look under rudymaxa.com under sponsors. Well, as I mentioned to you at the top of the show, I've got a terrific guest on, on a subject that is... It has just blown my mind. It's a new piece of technology that, as I promised, may change your world dramatically and will surely change the world of your children and theirs. You've heard about virtual reality. It's something inventors have been questing for for years. But a 21-year-old inventor seems to have figured out how to perfect virtual reality with the creation of a headset called Oculus Rift. How serious is it? Well, Facebook bought his company for $2 billion a few months ago. And what has it got to do with travel? Travel. We'll talk about that with my guest. He's Wired magazine writer Peter Rubin, and he's the one who brought my attention to this. I was reading the June issue of Wired. I know I'm a month behind. I was on a plane. I was catching up. The cover line is this. This kid is about to change gaming, movies, TV, music, design, medicine, sex, sports, art, travel, social networking, education, and reality. The Oculus Rift is here, and it will blow your mind. That's the name of the article by Peter Rubin, who joins me now. Peter, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Thanks for
1: having me,
2: Rudy. Now, before we get to travel, which is what this show is about, can we talk a little about virtual reality? It's something that I've been and many people have been hearing about for more than a decade. But clearly, you say that the Oculus Rift is a huge step forward. Give us a little history of virtual reality, will you?
7: Sure. Well, well, just to back up a bit, I mean, this is something that has been happening on on the research front for, for more than 30 years. I mean, you've had NASA working on this, you've had a number of academic labs working on this, and virtual reality... Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the term, just really refers to the idea of uh, a display that surrounds you uh, and it's so immersive and so all-encompassing that your brain really believes that you are in this space. This is more than just having a, an IMAX screen in front of you. This is really being in a different reality. So in the, in the early to mid-90s, there was this huge eruption of virtual reality in kind of mainstream pop culture. And a lot of us, uh, especially those of us who were kind of in our, our formative years consuming this pop culture, became absolutely enamored of this idea. And, and it was like the jetpack for, for a certain generation. It was, oh, at some point we're going to have virtual reality. And it just, we thought it would, we were on the cusp of this, and then it never happened. The problem was that the computers that were going to deliver this just couldn't handle it. And so there were all these problems with with motion sickness and people feeling nauseous and really terrible graphics. Uh, and so we went and, and people just kind of put this on the back burner. We thought, well, virtual reality, it was a fun idea. It's never going to actually happen.
2: and didn't the focus seem to be for gamers who would want to you know have even more exciting shoot 'em up games?
7: Very much so. I mean, this was it was it was bigger than that. But the easiest way to imagine it at the time, and even up until the present day, was this is something that's really uh, that's best applied in a in a gaming environment. If, if people are already spending all this money to have uh, the fastest computer possible to get an advantage while they're playing on their computer, why not? extrapolate from this idea that you have a huge monitor and a very fast computer and instead put yourself in the game. Isn't that kind of the logical end point of gaming anyway, is to imagine yourself in this alternate world? So gaming has always been kind of that first frontier that people imagined VR, uh,
2: being workable okay so you have these you've got nasa working on this you've got some of the best minds of several generations working on this really don't you over the over the course of time and and uh in the june issue of um, wired there's sort of a little timeline of of the progress and it goes way back i mean to more than 11 years ago something happened with this 21 year old his name palmer lucky and he's the cover uh shot for the june wired he's in a black hoodie how did he come to outpace NASA and probably a lot of people with PhDs after their, their names?
7: Sure. Well, the, the the one thing to to remember here is that whatever virtual reality solutions people had found, they were they were insanely expensive and they were they were so difficult to put together because of the computing horsepower that it took. That this just there was never any hope of this being an affordable consumer technology. So here comes Palmer Lucky. Palmer Lucky is, at the time, 19 years old. He'd been homeschooled uh, in the Long Beach area in Southern California. He was, uh, he was an insatiably curious teen, and he was really good with his hands, and he understood computers. He used to modify video game consoles for his friends. He used to repair broken iPhones when they first came to market. And by doing this and selling them on eBay, he had amassed a good amount of money for a teenager. He wasn't spending it on anything. He, he, you know, he, he was 18, 19, so instead he started putting all this money into his computer. And he thought, wait a minute, why am I putting all this money, money into my computer? What about virtual reality? Whatever happened with that? So he starts researching this. And with some of this money he's made, he starts buying all these VR headsets. From various places, he buys the whatever consumer options exist on the market, and these, without exception, are expensive and slow and just terrible
2: if you've just tuned in we're talking about a major product that may be out as early as the end of this year that may change your life we're talking about virtual reality my guest is peter rubin he's a writer with wired magazine in the june issue he's got the cover story about a twenty one-year-old inventor named palmer lucky whose company was bought a couple of months ago by facebook for two billion dollars And we're talking about how he came to improve on virtual reality something folks have been trying to perfect for over a decade and uh, Peter is t- telling about his background. Okay, so he's buying these headsets. And by the way, these headsets, apparently nausea is a is a big problem with these early versions, isn't it?
7: It's it's perhaps the biggest problem. And, and, you know, graphics, as time goes on, graphics will always get better. As we've seen, generation after generation of computers delivers a better graphic experience. But one thing they couldn't get past was simulator sickness, which leads to nausea. Basically, this arises from a delay between the time that you input a command, whether that's turning your head or moving a joystick, and that actually translating into perceived motion in that virtual reality space. And if there's any perceptible difference, what happens is your visual system and your vestibular system, your balance system, they're out of whack, and your body thinks you've been poisoned, so you're going to feel sick. So that's really, that's the root of the nausea. And, and that was maybe the biggest bugaboo of virtual reality as a consumer technology. So Palmer Lucky, who at the time is 19, is buying up all these headsets, trying to figure out what, what went wrong and why doesn't it, why hasn't anyone cracked this code. And he realizes that all of a sudden, because of the miniaturization of computers and just general advances on that front, piece by piece, the elements exist to create a workable solution, it's just that no one has synthesized all these things. No one has put them all together. So he's hard at work at home and he puts together all these different prototypes in his parents' garage. And he <laughs> plays with the lenses and he plays with the screen technology. And eventually he hits on this thing that uh, this headset that hinges on using a very cheap set of magnifying lenses and then pre-distorting, and I don't mean to get too technical here, it would distort whatever is coming through the screen. So all he needs to do is pre-distort whatever is coming through that screen and then when the magnifying lens distort that, it distorts it to looking normal again.
2: So, yeah, so basically it distorts it, it, very, it correctly to the human eye.
7: Exactly. So it's this very simple but but ingenious idea. And he is working and he's reporting his progress on on the online message boards that are dedicated to 3D video and to virtual reality. And someone else who's on those forums at the time is a computer programmer named John Carmack, who happens to be a demigod in the video game world. This is the guy who is essentially the father of 3D video games. And since the early 90s, he's been behind all of these video games that that just changed the way people played games. So John Carmack reaches out to Palmer Luckey and he says, hey, do you mind sending me the prototype of this thing you're working on. I'd like to play with it and then I'd like to take it to this trade show. This is like a 20 year old kid we're
2: talking about here.
7: 20 year old kid, and he has two workable units that he's built up in his garage. And these are, and when I say he's built them up himself, I mean he uses the straps from a pair of old ski goggles to keep them on your face, and they're covered in electrical tape. I mean, these are really the definition of, of prototype. These are really simple, rudimentary versions of this thing. So he sends them to this guy, John Carmack. John Carmack then brings them with him to a video game show, which is called E3, and this is an annual show in L.A. where the entire video game industry goes. John Carmack brings this thing that no one's ever heard of, and he just blows people's minds left and right. And it's the first time that people, and this is two years ago, and this is the first time people have seen that virtual reality might actually be feasible after all. Peter,
2: this is a good place to take a pause. After this break, we're going to come back. Uh, You're listening to Rudy Max's World. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at
2: rudymaxa.com. Everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding. Instant relaxation, instant tan lines, instant margarita buzz. With the Orbitz rewards quickly. Earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly. On flights, hotels, and vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join Orbitz Rewards today at Orbitz.com slash rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's Orbitz.com slash rewards or look under sponsors at RudyMaxa.com. If
3: you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic infection. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4.
0: I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled. For more
3: information or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com.
0: participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to rudymaxa.com.
2: Here's Rudy Maxa. Before this break, we're in the middle of a fascinating conversation with a senior editor from Wired magazine named Peter Rubin. And in the June issue of Wired, his cover story was about a 21-year-old inventor named Palmer Lucky, who seems to have mastered virtual reality, something inventors have been tinkering, tinkering with and NASA's been working with for a decade. His company was sold. Well, I'll let Peter tell you what happened. So far, we've got 19 and 20-year-old Palmer Lucky fiddling around with other people's headsets to try to create a virtual reality atmosphere. And now he's been recognized by somebody who's a pioneer in this industry who calls him up and says, hey, let me see what you built so far. Then what happened, Peter? So,
1: over the, about a year and a
7: half, uh, starting in the summer 2012, Oculus, which is now the company that Palmer Luckey has founded, they are making actual units, and these are meant only for video game developers. These are not ready for the consumer market, but there are two or three generations of this thing that they're bringing to shows. So... Within a year, the entire tech world, the entire gaming world knows about the Oculus Rift. They know about this virtual reality helmet. And it, it's very hard to be in the technology space and not have heard of this. And, of course, one of those people is Mark Zuckerberg. So at some point in very early 2014, Mark Zuckerberg goes to Oculus in the owner California. Of face- the
2: founder of Facebook, the, of course.
7: The founder of Facebook. Uh, he goes to the Oculus office, and he sees the most advanced setup they have, which outpaces much of the stuff that, that they're showing in public. You know, they have these internal prototypes they have. So he sees this thing, and he's like, you know what? It just makes perfect sense that we work together. So over the next month and a half, it moves very, very quickly. There. At first, the conversations are sporadic, and then before you know it, over the course of a week or two weeks in March... They hammer out this deal. Facebook buys Oculus for more than $2 billion.
2: I presume uh, Palmer has moved out of his garage now?
7: Um, Palmer may have moved out of his garage, but he still drives the 2001 Honda Insight that he's had for years.
2: <laughs> oh, my my goodness. All right, so it's, the product is called the Oculus Rift. And is it in production? You suggest this could be out as early as later this year, early next.
7: That it's a very slim chance it will be out later this year. A, be, a Better guess is the first half of next year. So what what is being made available to people are these developer units. And these are just for people who work in game development or other content development. Filmmakers have them. Uh, documentarians have them. Musicians have them. And people are wor- figuring out ways to use this technology. So they have a version of it, but the money from Facebook allows them to do much more. So each time they've released a new prototype to developers, there's been this quantum leap in its capabilities. But you can bet that between the most recent one and the actual consumer version, whenever that's released, we're going to see another big shift in what it can do and what it's capable of delivering for the user.
2: All right, we have three minutes left. Let's talk about this application to travel. I mean, it, it, it's so mind-blowing. It seems to me, and I teased this at the opening of the hour, and tell me if I was right. I said, imagine you could put this headset on. You don't see any frame. All you see is what you is, is where you are going virtually. You don't see any f- picture frame around it so it, to remind you this is, you're not really there. I said you could virtually walk along the canals of Venice or through the Grand Canyon or climb Mount Everest. Am I overdrawing it here?
7: Not at all. These, cre- these experiences just have to be created, and it's important to remember that we're not talking about video games here. We're talking about using a rig of video cameras that stitched together can create a 360-degree 3D view, and then you simply exist within that space. Uh, it, the, the best way to help someone imagine what it's like to be in there is to say, okay, imagine you're sitting in a movie theater in virtual reality. If you look to your left and to your right, you see rows of empty seats. If you turn around, and I mean physically turn around in the chair you're sitting in in the real world, you can look behind you in this virtual theater and see the projectionist booth. It's you are you are really there and the way you literally move your head is the way your your viewpoint changes in virtual reality. So yes, I've been in museums. I've been in the Italian countryside. There's a major hotel chain. I can't say which, but they're working with a company to develop virtual content to have at their hotels later this year as as a way to help people understand what it would be like in their resort that they haven't built or what it would be like in another destination that they haven't visited yet. The the, the tourism industry um, is ripe for this sort of virtual experience. Imagine not having to get on a plane and go to the jungle. You can just be there. Uh, you know the, the documentarian David Attenborough. He filmed his most recent documentary, which is set in Borneo, with an eight uh, a rig of eight high def video cameras, and they are creating this to be a three hundred and sixty degree three D nature documentary, which Amazing. stands to reason that you can use it in the Oculus Rift. It's just it's just we're so at the dawn of this technology that the only limits are in the imagination of the people who are creating these experiences.
2: Amazing. We only have thirty seconds left, Peter. I could talk to you about this all day, but imagine someone who is unable to travel for whatever reason—for financial reasons, for physical reasons—to be able to, to wander the Tuscan countryside or, you know, explore—I don't know—the Atlas Mountains in Morocco. It just—it just really blows your mind, doesn't it?
7: Imagine taking a classroom of kids to the Louvre. Who are oh. sitting in a classroom in St. Louis? I mean, just anything is possible.
2: I love it so. I love it so. Well, thank you for giving us a glimpse of the future. And the future isn't that far away. It sounds like next year the product will be is called the Oculus Rift. Um, we will put a link on my Facebook fan page, Rudy Maxa Travel slash Leisure, to Peter Rubin's article. Trust me, you want to read this, because it really is going to change the way we see the world. It has applications to medicine, to all unlimited things. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back.
0: Rudy Maxa's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800 387 8025 That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com.
4: If you like painting and saving, ask Sherwin-Williams and save 40% on paints and stains during our four-day super sale, July 18th through the 21st. With 40% off our paints and stains and 30% off painting supplies, you can give your whole home a color makeover. But hurry, these savings are so super, they won't be around for long. Find your nearest store at sherwinwilliams.com slash sale. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.
6: Truecar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, Truecar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features not available in all states. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the Truecar Certified Dealer Network. Truecar users save an average of $3,078 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow three easy steps. First, go to Truecar.com and find out what other people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third, Simple. Just print out your True Car Savings Certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, True Car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Honey, you know that
5: flight we were supposed to fly out on tomorrow? It's been canceled because of the weather.
6: This was supposed to be our dream vacation. How did we end up here in the emergency room? Where's my luggage?
5: The carousel is
7: empty. Got a travel insurance plan? If you do, you can be covered for trip cancellation due to a covered reason. Medical expenses, lost luggage, and more. Cover yourself today. Call your travel agent or visit TravelGuard.com. Coverage provided by TravelGuard Group, Inc., a licensed insurance producer. Coverage will be limited by the terms and
8: conditions of the policy and may not be available in all states. Insurance underwritten by National Union Fire Insurance Company of Pittsburgh, PA.
2: Everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding. Instant relaxation, instant tan lines, instant margarita buzz. With the Orbitz Rewards Program, from the payoff comes just as quickly earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly on flights hotels and vacation packages and you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app five percent on hotels two percent on flights join Orbitz rewards today at orbits.com rewards and get instant vacation gratification that's orbits.com rewards or look under sponsors at rudymaxa.com
1: Get
5: out the map, get out the map, lay your finger anywhere down.
0: To participate in the program, call now at 800 387 8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's
2: Rudy Maxa. It is 43 minutes after the hour. Mary Beth Bond was on the show uh, not long ago. She's the Gutsy Traveler. You can find her at com. She's a writer, author, and blogger at And She was down in Antarctica, and she actually went out into the water in a kayak to get up close and personal with wildlife. Now, my first question to you, Mary Beth Bond, is what wildlife is in Antarctica?
8: Oh, my goodness. There are so many penguins.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess that's right.
8: Seals and whales. There's a lot of wildlife. Every single day you're in Antarctica, it's like living in a in a wildlife uh, documentary. It's uh, pretty amazing. And on, in a kayak, you're so small and vulnerable and quiet. You can paddle right up to an ice sheet uh, where there's seals sleeping on it. We paddled up to whales that were napping on the surface of the water. And the penguins, you know, are are not shy. They're playful, and they jump in the water beside you, a little bit like um, dolphins jumping beside you. Really? It's a a very intimate way to experience uh, Antarctica.
2: (laughs) How many people are in a kayak? Is this a one-person kayak, two persons?
8: You have your choice. It can be one person or two person. I always went in a two-person because my husband was behind me paddling and keeping us balanced while I was trying to get photography and videos. And uh, so it's up to you. You can choose either one. And interestingly enough, there were t- uh, 26 kayakers in our group, and they were aged 24 to 67,
2: well, pardon me for getting too detailed here, but how do you slip into a kayak in that dark without getting wet?
8: Oh, uh, That's interesting. Every morning we would uh, put on dry suits over, you know, warm clothes and then, you know, a, a life jacket. And we were taken out in, in zodiacs. And then from the side of the zodiac, we would slide from the zodiac into the kayak. And there were two guides at either end holding on to the kayak, get down in there, tighten the skirt around us, and paddle off.
2: And when, what's a what's a dry suit?
8: Oh, you know, like wetsuits. Yeah. But it, it's a dry suit. It goes over all the way up, tightly at your neck and tightly at your wrists, and no water can get into it.
2: So, is this if, in case you tip over into the water, you'll be okay?
8: That's right, and, you know, it covers your feet, et cetera. um, I went with Quark Expeditions. They said that they've had one person tip, you know, in the last year, and that was because she turned around real quickly with a camera. So we we had a lot of training before they let us out in these kayaks, and um, the only way you'd get cold was if you put your hand in the water or if you didn't wear the proper headgear.
5: I
2: see. So
8: it was pretty amazing. I mean, sometimes we'd get quite warm paddling.
2: Did you see whales?
8: Yes, lots of whales. and um, Was, was that just snakes. good
2: luck, or is that pretty common?
8: I think it's common to see whales, but it was really good luck to be able to kayak right up to these two whales that were napping. You know, humpback <laughs> whales, and you could hear them breathe. I have it on a video. Pfft, out of the water. Really magical. Really Did magical. they
2: awake when you got there?
8: No, they stayed asleep right at the start. guess
2: surface. it takes something to wake a whale, probably. <laughs> <laughs>
8: That's right. I tell you, though, every moment we were in those kayaks, uh, we were quite awake and alert. We were fortunate that the wind and the weather permitted us to go out ten times. And um, uh, so, you know, we paddled through bays and along rock or snow outcroppings by rookeries of penguins. And uh, I fell in love with the penguins. I had no idea how comical and adorable they are.
2: Well, they make movies with them and the kids love. How long were you on average in the kayak on the water each time?
8: Oh, uh, maybe three hours. And Really? We'd, yes, we'd have two outings a day. So, I mean, we were quite active.
2: I thought you were going to say 30 minutes, three oh, hours no, 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 each no, time? No.
8: This wasn't an experience where you just go out and kind of paddle around, and that's it, and you've had it. We went out 10 days, and we were sometimes out morning and afternoon. We were extremely fortunate with the weather in the end of January that it was calm, and we even had some sunny days, but we were out a long time, and the Zodiacs would tow us to different inlets, so we couldn't see the ship. We couldn't see other people in zodiacs we were hmm. really all alone and um one day uh we we went into a bay that had a thin crust of the of ice on the oh. water and we so have 10 we thought, seconds
2: left by the way Mary Beth.
8: okay and so we paddle through the ice breaking it like a creme carmel with a spoon
2: <laughs> beautiful Mary Beth bond you can read about it at her blog gutsytraveler.com and i'm sure she has photos there uh, do you have the video of the sleeping whales up? I do. All right. com. We'll be right back here in Rudy Maxa's world.
0: To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World.
2: Well, you'll find a lot more overhead luggage space if you board one of Alaska Airlines' planes newly outfitted with Boeing's new so-called space bins. Listen to this. They'll hold 48% more luggage than conventional bins. You're able to slide a carry-on bag in sideways rather than having lie flat. So an Alaska Airlines 737-300 that used to have room for 117 standard size bags and overhead bins, 117, can now accommodate 174. Let's hope this is something that spreads. Well, there's a reason that uh, there's a town called Cody, Wyoming. It's because of a a dude named Buffalo Bill Cody who hung around there and and started the town late in the 19th century. It's all part of what's called Yellowstone Country, which comprises the towns of Cody, Powell, and Matitza if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and my guest will correct me if I didn't. She's Claudia Wade, and she's director of the Park County Travel Council. I presume these three towns in this uh, near the eastern valley by Yellowstone National Park, I presume that is Park County, Claudia?
5: Certainly, and Park County also extends into Yellowstone National Park.
2: All right, Claudia Wade Very is big here. Area. I've invited Claudia Wade on today, who is the director of the Park County Travel Council, to convince us that even though we're coming, uh, we're getting into the last half of July, it's not too late to visit Yellowstone. It's not totally booked. Now, Claudia, why would someone think it's too late? Just because some of the lodges in Yellowstone book up so early?
5: Certainly. That is uh, the main reason, Rudy. I think um, folks have, um, if you have specific dates in mind, uh, you might, might not be able to stay at one a specific property, but if you're willing to move around to properties within Yellowstone or stay at a gateway community, such as Cody, and uh, use that as home base and explore uh, Yellowstone um, every day, that works very well as, as, as well.
2: So some of these gateway towns are Cody, Powell, and did I pronounce Matitsa correct?
5: Matitsi. The closest gateway town of Park County is Cody. Um, okay. We're just 54 miles from the east entrance of Yellowstone National Park.
2: And this is where the Buffalo Bill Museum is, uh, right?
5: Right. The Buffalo Bill Center of the West is actually comprised of five uh, separate museums, um, all of them with Western themes, and uh, all of them do a phenomenal story of telling, uh, or a ph- phenomenal way of telling the story of the spirit of the West and, and the real West here that we, we live every day in Cody.
2: Now, uh, help me out here, Claudia. I conjure an image of Cody as this, you know, sort of wild west town I've I've seen in uh, 110 western movies. Am I totally off base in stereotyping this uh, area?
5: Probably. Probably. Um, (laughs) it's a very small community. Um, We have a population of about 10,000. Our main street um, in Cody is actually the main highway that leads directly into Yellowstone National Park. Um, We have shops, art galleries, restaurants, um, hotels that line those streets. Um, It is a a year-round community, unlike many other uh, gateways into other tourist destinations. Um, We have people here that um, have jobs, work year-round, uh, many of them in the hospitality industry, but also it is a community in and of itself, and I dare say a, a destination in and of itself because of all the other attractions and um, activities that we have here available for visitors.
2: And tourism is the main economic driver, I gather.
5: Um, it is uh, not, the, not the largest. Um, probably mineral extraction is our largest um, uh-huh. economic driver, uh, followed by tourism and ranching.
2: Okay. Now, um, I noticed that y- y- you all have a website. It's called yellowstonecountry.org and that there you can put together entire vacation, you have vacation packages, you have information on guide services, uh, weather and that sort of thing. Is if I'm a, you know, this city boy would like to come to Yellowstone Country, would yellowstonecountry.org be the place to begin in order to find hotels?
5: That's a very best place to start. Um, also on that website is our 800 number, um, and we are uh, our visitor center is open seven days a week from uh, eight in the morning to seven at night, and any of our people who answer the phone would be happy to help you plan that route and make suggestions depending on what you're wanting to do and how you're wanting to spend your time.
2: And where does one fly into?
5: Uh, You can fly directly into Cody. Um, We are served by Delta Airlines and United Airlines, Delta out of Salt Lake City and United out of Denver, Colorado. Both those airlines offer uh, jet service, two flights in and out a day. Um, And then on weekends, we also have a nonstop flight from Chicago directly into Cody.
2: Terrific. All right. The website's yellowstonecountry.org. Uh, I think uh, think you've wrapped it up uh, very nicely, Claudia.
5: Thank you, Rudy. It's been a pleasure.
2: Claudia Wade is the director of the Park County Travel Council, and that includes uh, a region they call Yellowstone Country, which uh, is a gateway to the eastern part of Yellowstone uh, National Park. It gets about a million visitors a year, Cody does, or excuse me, the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody does. You can find more information by going to yellowstonecountry.com. And uh, this is good news if you uh, really care about your toilets. Princess Cruise's renovated ship called the the Princess Diamond is outfitted with new toilets that come with heated seats and a range of other options involving shooting water jets and under-the-lid dryers. This is all because the ship's new home port is Yokohama, Japan, for part part of the year. And the Japanese are very fond of these high-tech toilets. Just visit the Toto showroom next time you're in Tokyo, if you don't believe me. The seats aboard the Princess Diamond have 16 different buttons that do just about everything but iron your shirts. There's also a lavish Japanese bath area, a sushi restaurant, and high-end shopping. That's the new Princess, newly designed, newly renovated Princess Diamond. We're here at the end of Rudy Max's world. It comes comes so fast. I want to thank my engineer, Jeff Ryder. My executive producer is Janet Deas, McDonald. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again here next week and do it again.